Pitchers and catchers report next week. So we are going to take one last look at this offseason, do final grades, talk about the offseason as a whole, and officially just put it in the review mirror. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Lockdown Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, February 10th, 2022. 23. I said 23. Didn't take my finger off the page. I said 23. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All righty. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you are having a fantastic Friday. I hope this week was great for you. Uh, and I cannot wait to get back in your eyes and ears every single day of the week. I cannot wait. This is the last episode of three days a week schedule. And we'll be back to an everyday show. Well, every day but weekends. We'll be back to every business day starting on Monday. That always just gets me excited just because that means it's baseball season. You know? So, can't wait to do that. Uh, Next week, we will be beginning our player projections. Uh, Projections is not the right word. What should we call them? Player profiles? We're going to do our, our our breakdowns on every individual player on the 40-man roster and talk about expectations for, not predictions or projections necessarily, but some, some expectations for every individual on the 40-man for this upcoming season. Uh, so we'll do that v- during, not via, I don't know where that came from, during the spring and during spring training games. We'll obviously talk about spring training games as well as they happen um what else i think that's pretty much it and then obviously if there's any moves like the show's going to be the same if there's any news that happens and and when the games are played we will obviously talk about those but uh for for the days in between we'll be doing player breakdowns so super pumped super pumped baseball is it's right there it's right there a week from today we'll be talking about uh some player and we'll be talking about the fact that pitchers and catchers are in lakeland World Baseball Classic a little bit after that, right? Early March. It's almost back. It's almost back. It's been kind of warm if you're living in the Metro Detroit area, too. Been, been, you know, a little bit of a heat wave in the 40s. So, uh, okay, let's get down to business here. We're going to put the offseason, again, like officially behind us. We're just, we're done. We're we're done with the offseason and to officially close the book on the 2022-2023 offseason, we're just going to do one final recap. That's all today's episode is, right? Last episode of three days a week, we're, we're, we got, you know, we're looking ahead from here on out. So I just want to have one final overall conversation about everything in the offseason, get all of my thoughts and opinions on how the offseason went and whatnot and, and individual moves that were made, grades for all of them. We'll do some letter grades and stuff, uh, and, and, and we'll officially just put all of this behind us. Okay, so first off, let's talk about some individual moves. I think I want to start with Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd was the first move that was really made. The first addition, I should say, 
that was made this offseason. I give this deal a C plus. I, I think that it's and I don't say that with negative connotation. Like if you knew what kind of student I was, you'd understand that. I don't think a C plus is terrible. Uh, it, look, we needed innings. Uh, he's worth the flyer. I think the only reason that it's really weird is just because like it's Matthew Boyd. Like if it was a different name on the back of the jersey and the same career and the same profile and the same everything, I, I don't think people would have freaked out as much. It was just like we, we've seen this movie before, obviously. So uh, a C plus. Like I, I'm very okay with, again, we needed innings in a starting rotation. I think that this is a guy that's very much worth the flyer on potentially getting innings. Uh, we needed starting pitching depth very badly, and this addressed that issue head on. He has made some adjustments as well for whatever that is worth to you. Some people it's worth a lot. Some people it's not worth just about anything. And yeah, like this isn't a, a crazy win for the Tigers, but it's certainly not a, a loss. This is someone who's going to, you can plug and play immediately. He can be, uh, I mean, presumably a middle rotation arm for your team. And, and the biggest thing is health. And really, I don't even know if I want to just call it health in the sense of like, oh, will he be able to pitch the entire season? I am more just the second half of the season, how does he look? Or like after June, how does he look? If you look at Matthew Boyd's career, it's not, oh, he makes it to June and then just doesn't pitch and like gets hurt necessarily every single year. That has happened a couple of years. But uh, it, it's more so just like the first half and second half splits. Or if you go month by month even, like the first two and a half, three months maybe versus the rest of the season – there's just always consistently like a huge drop-off. And I, I don't know if that's fatigue. I don't know if that's like a, a, a I don't think it's really a scouting report getting around. But uh, like I, I don't have the answer. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how his arm looks at the present moment. But that's the biggest thing for me. And I, I don't think we're necessarily going to get three starts. Then he's just not going to pitch again. But I would like to see an effective Matthew Boyd after like June 7th, which we haven't got too terribly much of. Like even in 2019, right? The, the kind of started crumbling a little bit in early July leading up to the all-star break. And then post all-star break, he had like a five and a half ERA. Like that, it's, it's just been the story of his career really. So that's the biggest thing for me. But again, at the end of the day, this is a, a, what, one-year deal, $10 million. Uh, if it doesn't work out, you didn't hinder yourself long-term. You just don't have as much starting pitching depth in 2023 as you thought you did. Okay, so that's the other thing. Like, the, the floor of this deal is not very low. Like, the, we're in the same really boat. This is not a needle mover. And that the kind of transitions into the next one, right? Michael Lorenz and I gave a B-. minus. It's like a really similar situation uh, again, you need innings. Again, this is a one-year deal. Uh, he, and for Lorenzen, last year, again, was hurt, missed a considerable amount of time, not nearly as much as Boyd. Boyd missed, you know, 80%, 85% of the season and then came out of the bullpen. But Lorenzen, I, I mean, missed a solid, what, two months, month and a half. And, you know, when he came back, to his credit – he was really effective. He had a 2-3-6 ERA in the month of September slash October, like the very end of the season there, uh, post-injury. He also made an adjustment last year, and his numbers were better post-adjustment. So 
Who's to say whether it's, you know, getting fully healthy and it's because of the injury healing or whether it's become of this because of this adjustment, I would venture to believe it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, but he, he did look better. And that adjustment really just came with the repertoire. We talked about it when we signed him. If you want the full breakdown, you can uh, go back, what, a couple of months now, I guess, and find that. But uh, he basically just became a two-pitch pitcher. And he has three pitches in his repertoire. But to righties, he was only throwing, I think it was fastball changeup to righties and fastball slider to lefties. Maybe it was vice versa. But regardless, like that was the point. He just really simplified it and only became a two-pitch pitcher and just picked which two pitches he was going to throw depending on who came up in the batter's box. So uh, some some good adjustments. Again, a one-year deal. We need innings. We need starting pitching depth. We've seen the last three years how many injuries we've had in the starting pitching role. So good to have there. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this one too. Like, again, like I'm not throwing a, a parade down Woodward today, but at the same time, I, I really do think that this, this has the potential to be a solid flyer on a guy that is again, a one-year deal, not, not a very low floor. If it doesn't work out, we have a lot of starting pitching depth. If either of those dudes don't work out, they'll be gone by the deadline. They'll be DFA'd or whatever. And you know, the Bo Briskies and Garrett Hills and Alex Fiedos of the world will just fill their spots. Okay, cool. All right, let's get into the trades. Okay, let's get into the two trades we made this offseason. We will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We are really, really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they are the number one sports book in America. It is FanDuel, and if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download the FanDuel app now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet guarantee. You'll get up to 3000 dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't hit FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line the points the spread who will score a touchdown we've talked about it a lot over the week last couple of weeks but the Super Bowl is the most bet on sporting event of the year every single year there's so many different fun like props and odds you can get there so get FanDuel now so that by this weekend you are ready to roll the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe secure and super easy to use and best of all you can get paid your winnings instantly. No waiting around. No waiting till tomorrow. Wait until you wake up and, you know, being worried about, oh, am I going to get paid or not? Right when it happens, you get your money. It is truly the best in the business. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, we are back. Segment two here. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, baby, just like us. All right, let's get into these trades, okay? So the Joe Jimenez deal, I gave an A-, and... If someone was like, hey, man, you should give that an A, I'd be like, all right, I'll give that an A. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I really like this deal. I think this is great value. And we'll talk about the Soto trade in, in a bit, and, and the Gregory Soto trade is not nearly as high, uh, but I like both of these moves. I, I, I really do. I like our offseason trades that we made. I'm, I'm big fans of both of them. But the Jimenez trade, 
is really foolproof to me in the sense that uh, even if Justin Henry Malloy and Jake Higginbotham don't do anything for the Tigers at the major league level, I make this trade every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And like, I don't believe that. I, I think Justin Henry Malloy, I am a massive Justin Henry Malloy fan. Uh, and Higginbotham, I think, is going to be in the in the bullpen mix in spring training. So, like, I, I don't believe that at all. I, you know, I gave it an A minus. Obviously, I don't. But uh, even if they aren't effective, this is just a good value deal. This is a reliever that's going to pitch like fifty to seventy innings for you, and has really had one good year. Is coming off of his only good year since his rookie season, and is on an expiring contract right? One good year in the last five expiring deal becomes a, uh, uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this upcoming season and is a reliever. And you got a, another p- pitcher who is going to be in the mix to be a reliever and an everyday bat anytime. And this is maybe a little bit too dramatic on my part, but anytime I am trading a reliever, no matter how good you are, and I'm getting a guy who has the potential to play 162 games and take four or five plate appearances a game and impact every single game all season, I am going to take that a majority of the time. I'm not a huge, and I know that I'm like a time of Tigers fan, and this is ridiculous to say because do you remember the early 2010s? Yes, I do. But I am not someone who is going to, how do I even want to word this? Bullpens are obviously very important, but when you're not a good team, bullpens aren't really important. I guess that's my point. When you're a good team, you need a good bullpen. In the postseason, a bullpen is vital. We know that better than anybody. But when you are not a good baseball team, a bullpen, here's a secret, does you no good. And if you're like, I disagree with you, I would <laughs> ask you to watch the 2022 Detroit Tigers, because they had a really solid bullpen and almost lost 100 games. So, like, it's not especially, again, he he was the expiring deal of the bullpen crew, right? Like, Jimenez was an expiring deal. So, I I just, I'm such a huge fan of Justin Henry Malloy, just like the player and the person. I'm a huge fan of him. I, I love that return as far as personnel goes. But even expanding on that, just the value just straight up from reliever to potential reliever. Again, like Higginbotham might be nothing. And who knows what's going to happen with Henry Malloy too. But he fits the profile. He fits the identity. And just on a pure value standpoint, I think that this is a home run as far as value goes. Okay. So A- minus for me for the Jimenez trade. Um, Gregory Soto, we'll do that one next. I gave this one, I was really going back and forth between a B and a B minus. Like I'm, I'm somewhere in that range. Um, I, I like this deal. I think that this is also good value. Like this is one reliever. Now he's not an expiring deal, but this is one reliever. Even if no matter your opinion on Gregory Soto, he's the worst pitcher I've ever seen, or he was the best pitcher in our bullpen last year, no matter where you fall. Multiple years of control on a guy that on a lefty that throws a hundred with movement and has put together some decent statistical seasons over the last three seasons, right? You're getting rid of that. He's going to get you 50. I think he's pretty consistently been in the mid fifties and in innings pitch for the last two seasons. And in return, 
And we talked about this on the day that we traded him, which is why we're not going to spend, you know, 30 minutes talking about this trade again. But you're, you're trading a reliever for three bats. That's three dudes that you're going to throw into the mix and try and have the or are going to give the opportunity to be, again, everyday impact players. And that, that again, that's just a no-brainer to me. And, like, I, I really like Veerling's profile. He might never figure out how to hit. And Nick Maton, I really like his profile, too. He might never figure out how to hit lefties. And Donnie Sands might just not be good enough to be a consistent major league player. Those are all totally justifiable, like, uh, hesitations, we'll call them. But again, at the end of the day, I think this value is really solid. What could have made this higher for me is, uh, I, I guess, kind of the point I just reiterated. Like, if when you're looking at all three of these guys in a vacuum, like, they are objectively dudes that weren't good enough to start on the team that they came from. Now, I would argue that that's a literal World Series team. So that's not something that like every major leaguer is just going to be able to break in there. There's some good players that wouldn't start on the Philadelphia Phillies, let me tell you. And I think when you're comparing rosters, they're going to get a lot of playing time. Maton and, and Veerling especially. Wouldn't surprise me if both of those dudes played in over 120 games this year. But I, I think that it, it could, I guess, be a little higher if you got, you know, like some top prospect value. This one, I guess my point is the Soto trade has the ability to look a little more sour down the road. I don't think it's really possible to look at the Jimenez trade again, even if both players completely bomb here and be like, wow, that was really stupid. But the Soto trade, I think because of multiple years of control, because none of the guys you got back are necessarily like top highly regarded prospects, I think there is going to be some ability within the fan base to look back in a couple of years if that one doesn't work out and go wow we could have gotten more or we could have just held on to greg so a, a little bit more hesitation there but again like still a b minus or a b like i am still a big fan of the gregory soto move and, and i still am, am i mean you guys know how i feel about sands and uh, all three of them we talked about them at length right so uh big big fan of of the trades we made i, I really liked what scott harris did on the trade market and we will talk about what he didn't do after this. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try Built Bar. We're into February now. I'm still trying to hold true to my New Year's resolutions. And that's eating a little bit healthier. I don't want to compromise taste, though, to eat healthier. You know what I'm saying? And I think Built is the perfect example of not compromising taste while being really good for you. You have to try Bill. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're 100% real chocolate. They are covered in chocolate. Real. It's remarkable. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro. That's my personal favorite. Peanut butter brownie. It's my friend's favorite. And coconut almond. Also some of my friend's favorite. Uh, we go ham on Bill Bars, let me tell you. Uh, I'm not sure how they do it but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your Walmart today. Get a four-bar box. 
at a Sam's Club. Get a 13-bar box. Whatever you decide. Or you can still order. Go to Built.com. Just get on the Built Bar wave. Try Built Bar today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. I don't know why I'm doing my intro. Uh, Alex Lang committed to pitch for Team Puerto Rico in September, but he wasn't amongst the pitchers listed on the roster. There you go. So it doesn't look like Alex Lang will be uh, pitching for Puerto Rico, at least in the World Baseball Classic. I can't wait for the WBC, man. I cannot wait. All right, let's get into uh, – let's finish up this offseason talk. If we have time at the end, we'll take a look at uh, some fan graphs, standings projections, and really just start talking about the future. Um, so the waiver wire I do want to talk about right now, just really quickly, I'm not saying that any of the dudes that we picked up in the waiver wire all year are going to be groundbreaking or even starters. Like I'm not trying to make them sound like anything more than what they are, which for a majority of them is just going to be organizational depth. But that is something that this organization hasn't had really ever. Like I love Dave Dombrowski and I will go to bat for Dave Dombrowski every day of the week. I, I think that he is far too hated for his strategy because he has won everywhere he's ever been. And like, it clearly works. But even in those eras, we didn't have organizational depth. If someone got hurt, that means that DD was, was going to go trade. was going to go make a trade and bring someone else in. Organizational depth didn't exist. And certainly in the Avila era, there was no organizational depth. We never were active on the waiver wire. And if option one didn't work out, there was no backup, right? And so regardless of your opinion of these waiver wire acquisitions, so many of them were picked up on the waivers and then were re-put on waivers, removed from the 40-man, not picked up, and then stayed in the organization. Like low-key, if you look at the the 40-man roster, the non-roster invites to spring training, and even like the AAA roster as it stands right now, it's a nice little safety net there. And again, their organizational depth. I'm not telling you we have like all-star game starters in Toledo, but like it's just, it's really reassuring to know that we have second, third, fourth, fifth options at at several positions. That that's nice. and, And something that I don't know if I've ever been able to say I've experienced in my entire life as a Tigers fan. So the, the groundwork is being laid to only improve as well, the organizational depth as it goes. Like, th- this shouldn't be as good as the organizational depth gets, but it's certainly, uh, we didn't sign anybody at the top end. We'll talk about that in this at a second, in a second. <laughs> but it, it, undeniably, this organization is deeper than it was two months ago, three months ago. So that's something that I liked about the offseason that we talked about some of the additions that they made, but we didn't go super in-depth on it. And I just wanted to really say my piece on uh, on the activity within the waiver wire because I, I really do like and appreciate it. And, and, like, good teams shouldn't have to surf the waiver wire because they just have good enough players on the 40-man where you're not like, hey, that's an upgrade that nobody else wants. But I, I think that it's more of a testament to how thin the new regime thinks the organization is, or at least thought it was coming into them. Well, that was not English. The new regime came in, looked at the roster and said, this is a paper thin organization. We need bodies that are competent, that fit our profile. And that's why they were so active on the waiver wire. So I do appreciate that. Now, 
Let's talk about the lack of moves because that is the biggest storyline in the entire offseason. We saved the best for last. Let's call it called a, a, a teaser in the biz. That's what we call that. But uh, I know that people are frustrated. And I know that you've listened to the first 25 minutes of this and you're like, oh my goodness, he doesn't have anything bad to say. How is that even possible? This offseason sucked. That's fine. Okay. I, I know that a lot of people are frustrated on the lack of moves. We've talked about it a ton this offseason. I believe that Scott Harris's mindset is let's see what we have for a year, play a lot of the youth, decide who's a long-term piece to the puzzle and who isn't, and then start building a little bit more to the foundation year in and year out. And I know we've been nothing but patient, and I know it's incredibly frustrating, but that doesn't mean it will or won't work. Like the amount that that anyone is frustrated about this offseason is no like indictment on on if this is actually going to be successful or not. And I know it sucks to hear, but what happened beforehand and what he inherited is like not his problem. Scott Harris's. He came in in August. This is the team he was given. Figure out how to win. And I know a lot of that's going to fall on ownership too. When we get to a point where we want to spend some more money in the offseason, a lot of eyes and a lot of, of lights are going to be shine shown on, on the Illich family and Chris. But I, I don't fault this strategy. I really don't. And, and I'm not trying to tell you that this was a brilliant masterclass of an offseason. I'm not saying that we had a, a really like, hey, you just don't understand. This was a great, smart, brilliant offseason. Not what I'm trying to tell you, but I think that so much went wrong last year that you have to run it back this year with some of the same players that you believe might be long-term pieces just to see what's an outlier and what's not. Now, the other big thing I want to highlight for this offseason is addition by subtraction because this, I think, is the biggest point of this entire offseason. Yes, we did not add. That's objectively true. No one should ever tell you otherwise. We did not add pieces. We subtracted a, I almost just cussed, a ton. Addition by subtraction is a thing at early stages of roster building. And I know we've been roster building, quote unquote, for six years. But Al Avila was doing that. And he's gone. So you can be mad all you want, but but you're getting mad at, at, a, at a figment of your imagination. So addition by subtraction is a thing. If you look at the 40-man roster at the end of the season, what is it, 15, 16 players on that 40-man are either still with the organization but just not on the 40-man, or most of them are just flat-out gone. And if you really want an eye-opening experience, go look at what all of them got after they left. Almost all of them are on minor league deals. And almost none of them are on a 40-man roster. So that's what the rest of baseball, that's what 29 other teams think of the product you've been rolling out there for a majority of the last three, four, five years. So let's have a huge overhaul. Let's take out all of the depth and the players 
that have where it's not an, a debatable outlier, right? Like we've looked at Victor Reyes's entire career. We've looked at Willie Castro's entire career. We've looked at Harold Castro's entire career. Austin Meadows has been really good for every year of his career, and yet last year was a train wreck. Jonathan Scope has almost a decade of really good hitting. Last year was a train wreck. So let's get rid of all the guys where we know it's not an outlier. Filter them in with young talent. Earmark at-bats, everyone's favorite quote. Give these new young players a chance. See what sticks this upcoming season. And go from there. And look, I'm not even telling you that next year is not going to be another huge overhaul. But I, I, I genuinely think we are just trying to give as many young players, as many at-bats and innings pitched as possible so that next offseason, if they need to, they can have another 15 players from the 40-man gone. There's also a ton of flexibility next year. That's a whole different rabbit hole we can go down. Um, outside of Javi and Erod, there's no one under contract past next season, and both of them have opt-outs after this season. So, like, potentially no guaranteed money after October of this year. There's going to be a lot of change and a lot of turmoil and, and a lot of just, just stirring the pot. And I'm not saying it's not going to be frustrating. I can't wait for baseball to be back. There's no way I don't lose my mind at like a 10 to 2 loss to the Mets in April. <laughs> like I, I, I want to cover a winning team more than anything on the planet. But I don't think that this offseason was a failure or was stupid either. I, I at least I understand the logic. I understand what he's trying to do, Harris. I, I understand the direction the organization is headed, and I very much think it could work. So I just ask you to to let's go on the journey together. Let's get mad together. Let's be happy together. But but let's let's lock arms and 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 try and get through it together and, and have a little bit of faith in the new regime because the previous regime can't hurt you anymore. Okay, that went all thirty. Uh, I do really quickly. I wanted to talk a little bit about the fan graphs zips projections. Uh, if we're just looking really quickly here, I, I don't want this to be a 40 minute episode. Um, but if we're looking at the AL central, I mean, zips on fan graphs is just incredibly low on the AL central, which makes sense. I think most people are, uh, Cleveland guardians, 83 and 79 winners of the central 83 wins, uh, Minnesota twins, 80 and 82. Chicago White Sox, 74 and 88, really low on the, the White Sox, golly. Tigers, 71 and 91, Royals, 70 and 92. Just my immediate reaction to this, um, I think the Guardians will push 90 wins, if not win 90. I'm a big fan of the Guardians system and how it operates. And yeah, I, I really do believe in that organization. So I, I think the Guardians will push 90 and win the division. I do actually don't mind the take of twins under 500. Um, I, I know a lot of people are drinking the twins Kool-Aid. 
I I think that they will probably be the second best team in the division. I'm, I'm not against that. And, and they might, you know, go 500 exactly or something like that. But I, I still personally don't see like an 85 to 87 win team or anything like that. So I, I really don't hate that take. White Sox 74 and 88. That's just like the the biggest difference between ceiling and floor, maybe in baseball. If you look at all 30 teams and you were to give them a, a, a cap and a floor to how many wins they could get in 2023, I think the biggest disparity of any team in the sport would be the Chicago White Sox. I could see them winning 70, and I could see them winning 90, like legitimately. Um, so we'll see there. I, 74 and 88 could absolutely happen. The Detroit Tigers, 71 and 91. I think that's about right. I told y'all, was it last week? that I expected a, a high 60s, low 70s win total as it stands right now. Uh, I haven't really ventured too far off of that. That's still my opinion as it stands. I, I think like around like 71. Okay, I don't, ju- I don't just want to say what this projection says, but I think around 71, 72 wins is, uh, is, is probably what we're looking at here. The Royals 72 and 92, I think that's too high. Uh, I think the Royals are going to be closer to 60 wins than 70. That's not a good roster. Okay, some fun players on it. Absolutely, but not a good roster. Um, I think that's everything. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make your second listen. The Lockdown MLB Prospects Pod host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay, that'll do it. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are officially putting the offseason behind us. Uh, Next week... We will be, like I said, starting our player breakdown series for expectations for 2023. I also, we are going to have a Picota episode. Um, I do, Every year, I treat baseball prospectus dropping their Picota projections like a holiday. Uh, not that I think they're like, oh, like this is definitely going to happen, but they go so in-depth on everything. It's one of my favorite reads of the year. Uh, so that'll be in the next couple of weeks. They will baseball prospectus will drop their Picota projections. Um, they do a really good job. They give a ceiling and a floor. They go, we ran, you know, a billion simulations. And like, these were the outliers. These are kind of like a bell graph, right? Uh, this is about where we expect this team to finish. They do like best possible finish within the, in the division, worst possible finish in the division. They go super in depth. They do a fantastic job. Definitely go read the article when it comes out. Um, but we will dedicate an entire show to that. And besides that, it's just going to be spring training news, pitchers and catchers news, and doing project. Not a, I don't like the word projections because that's not what it is. Um, but expectations. Talk about do player previews for the 2023 season. Maybe that's what we'll call them, player previews. That sounds good. Some alliteration in there. All right. Thanks for making us your first listen. I already did that. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all on Monday, baby. We made it. Back to five, five episodes a week. Baseball's back. Go Tigers, baby.